A new world is emerging. It is a new world order. To build back better or whatever. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. To be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one. We've got to get them vaccinated and hopefully they will do it willingly. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste. Pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack. This is Connect Those Dots. Genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. Well, hello there, fam, and all of you beautiful little dot connectors out there, and welcome to this humble podcast that we call Connect Those Dots. I am your humble host, Joe, and I come to you a little bit under the weather on this week's episode. You can hear it in my voice. It's a little uh, nasally. It's a little schniffly, but don't worry. I don't have monkey pox. I don't have uh, COVID or Omicron or Delta or any of those things. So thank God. I mean, you don't really have any of those things unless you test for them, right? <laughs> Nobody has COVID until they test positive for COVID. So yeah, I uh, I just don't take a test. I've actually never taken any of those tests since this whole COVID thing has uh, been sprung upon us. So uh, another blessing there, but I don't want to jinx myself. Fingers crossed. All right, fingers crossed. But yes, on this episode, uh, you can hear it in my voice. I'm a little bit under the weather. I almost wasn't going to do the episode, but uh, I have an obligation to the public to make sure that we connect those dots. And I really wanted to do a uh, important topic this week. Muy importante. I wanted to do it last week, but we weren't able to do it, obviously, because we were so sidetracked from the whole... Texas shooting and the whole gun conversation, but it was good to get to that topic as well because it was just a perfect time to shed light on that whole situation, but it was actually a pretty slow week in terms of current events this week. There was nothing super bombshell that really hit and shook the foundations of the entire international landscape, so we're going to Rewind the clock a little bit to two weeks ago, and we're going to take a visit to Davos, Switzerland. Yes, two weeks ago, the World Economic Forum had their annual meeting in Davos, Davos, Switzerland, and it was more publicized and more exposed and more mainstream than it has ever been before because more people are awake to the World Economic Forum than ever before. I know myself have just recently woken up to the implications of the World Economic Forum, never heard of it ever in my life before 2020. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there like me that have recently come to these revelations. So this was the biggest, most publicized World Economic Forum Davos meeting ever. 
because they prefer to have these meetings and these little powwows and these little underground enclaves in secret. They like to operate in the shadows. They don't want you knowing about it. But now that everybody is starting to wake up to them and starting to hear about it and the World Economic Forum is becoming a household name, thank God for that, by the way, they have upped their security. They literally had paramilitary troops. They have, the World Economic Forum had their own, like, goon squad, like you'd see in a Batman movie where, like, Bane has, like, his own goon squad and they're all, you know, dressed in similar garb, and they're intimidating, and they got jack boots on, and the whole deal. Yeah, the World Economic Forum literally had their own henchman squad. Armed to the teeth, strapped up, booted up, armored up, and wearing a World Economic Forum patch on their arms that has, like, the, the if you look it up, you could type in World Economic Forum soldier patch, right? And when you look at this patch, it has two, they look like rams, I guess, opposing each other. And the, the ram horns go outward, and it, it looks like, it looked like a devil horns to me. I mean, World Economic Forum, they have literally 666 in their logo with the, the, three, the three O's and the line going through the three O's. It looks like 666. Once you see it, you cannot unsee it. So the World Economic Forum loves to... Uh, just have that those uh, sort of demonic satanic symbolism in their stuff but yeah they had their own hit squad goon squad giving them complete privacy complete protection and no reporters unless they were sanctioned by the world economic forum unless they were invited to the meeting they were not allowed to be anywhere near the conference and isn't that funny isn't it just so ironic that the freakazoid social controllers, they tell you that you're going to have no privacy and you're going to be happier than ever and we're going to take your guns from you and no civilian should have guns. Meanwhile, they have complete privacy, total privacy. No one's able to go in there with an opposing view or question them. And they have armed goon squad henchmen totally strapped up with quote, weapons of war, as all the anti-gun people say it. Huh. Irony! It's just so funny to me, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy just never ceases. It never ceases to outdo itself. It always one-ups itself, the hypocrisy. So that's just one little nugget, one little dot I wanted to connect from last week's episode where we were talking about guns the entire episode. These are the same people that want you to have no means of defending yourself, have no firearms. Meanwhile, they're completely surrounded by people with guns. And they say that they want you to have zero privacy. They want to have surveillance under the skin. They want you to become a part of the hive mind so we can all share each other's consciousness and have no privacy. Meanwhile, they have complete and absolute privacy. They have complete and absolute anonymity to what they do. They have no accountability to the people that their decisions affect, 
So the people who are affected by their decisions have zero say in the decisions that they make. But whatever, I'm already sort of getting into a tangent and it's not good for me because I am sick. <coughs> Maybe I should have took that Bill Gates injection. Maybe Bill Gates really does love me. Maybe I should have took his injection. Down to zero. But let's get started with the clips, shall we? Because I have so many clips to play for you. It's just a smorgasbord of clips. It was just such a such a butt-licking contest over at the World Economic Forum. All of them just self-aggrandizing themselves. All of them just glorifying themselves. Just swooning and drooling all over themselves. And it's, it's just sickening the hubris and the arrogance of these people. But let them tell you themselves. Let them tell you how much more important they are to the world, how much more of an impact that they have on the world and how insignificant you are in the grand scheme of it in comparison to their epic grandeur. Be gone, vile man, be gone from me. Okay, so here, let's go with Klaus Schwab and you might think I put this menacing music behind him, uh, I edited it in, but no, wherever Klaus Schwab goes, menacing Evil villain music just follows him wherever he goes. An orchestra follows Klaus Schwab and plays evil music wherever he goes. So here we go with Klaus Schwab with the opening speech of the World Economic Forum, and we're going to dissect it. Also be clear, the future is not just happening. The future is built by us. The future is built by us. Do you think Klaus ever gets, like, bored? Do you ever think he gets tired of making these speeches all the time and glorifying himself and having these big epic theatrical podium talks that he does. The future is not just going to happen willy-nilly. The future is orchestrated and written by us, the global elites, the Davos Group, the World Economic Forum. By a powerful community as... You here in this room, we have the means to improve the states of the world. But two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities. So when they say that, like, we have the means to improve the conditions of the world, everything they say is inversion. Yeah, it's going to improve the world maybe for Klaus Schwab and his acolytes, but it ain't going to improve the world for you. You think owning nothing and having no privacy and taking annual injections, which they also talk about in the World Economic Forum, which I will get to, you think that's going to improve the state of the world? How does that improve your life? How does not having food, all of the things that they pledge, all of the things that we've talked about over the episodes of Connect Those Dots, what one of those proposals seems to improve your state of life? Absolutely nothing. It's just all a joke. It's all just these weird freakazoid James Bond villains telling you how they love you and they want to improve your life. Meanwhile, on the same token, they say that they're going to take everything away from you and you're going to be happier because of it. It's just, it's so, it's just such an insult to your intelligence, man. I'm sorry I can never finish a clip. Because everything they say is just so sickening. But let's try to get through the rest of this Klaus Schwab clip. That we serve not our only self-interests, but we serve the community. 
That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. So remember when I talked about stakeholders and how BlackRock and Vanguard and their stakeholders and when you're a stakeholder, when you're the biggest shareholder, when you're the biggest investor in something, that ultimately makes you the owner. So what Klaus is saying is that we want to be the biggest stakeholders. We want to be the biggest shareholders in basically just world events. And by proxy, that will make us the owners of the world events and will give us the power and the levers to dictate how we initiate our programs to shape the world as we see fit because we're the stakeholders of the world. So it's all a language. You have to understand their language. They say all these nice things. It's like to, to a person that's not well-versed in the language of tyranny and the language of inversion, then they might hear Klaus Schwab and be like, oh, wow, he's so nice. He might be really, he might be like really creepy and look like Dr. Evil, but oh my God, he says he wants to improve my life. Oh, he's not a bad guy. But then when you actually understand it, when you're a dot connector, when you know all the other things that Klaus Schwab has said, you brush off all those niceties and all those little weasel words that he says, and you know it's BS on its face. And second, that we collaborate. And this is the reason why you find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives to make progress related to specific issues on the global agenda. So all of that just means uh, collaborate. And all that. We need to consolidate our power together because if we all become stakeholders, if we all become united in our front to take over, then we will overwhelm the public at large. That's basically the language that he is saying right there. And even maybe some of the people in the audience don't really understand the bigger implications of what Klaus is talking about. Maybe they, maybe even the attendees at the World Economic Forum think Klaus is a good guy and think that he means well and think, oh, he wants to reshape the world in a, in a new and and, and more efficient way, and yada, yada, yada. But we all know what it means. We all know what it means. We all know what Klaus talks about. We all know about the fourth industrial revolution and how it changes your body. The difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who are changed. We all know about... You will owe nothing and be happy. You will owe nothing. And you will be happy. We all know about how he infiltrates the cabinets and the leaders of countries like a mob boss, like a mafia don, and make sure that the cabinets and the prime ministers and the presidents all fall in line with his agenda. What we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Brazil, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I 
knows that half of this cabinet, or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet, are for our actually young global leaders of the world economic right. forum. We know what you're up to, Klaus. You've said it all in very blatant words. And that's why I think it's funny with Klaus at the most uh, recent World Economic Forum meeting from two weeks ago, he's using a lot more weasel words. He's couching his language a lot more. And that was always one thing that I respected about Klaus is that he can just tell you straight up. He's like, some people like to say that uh, we, we want to build back better, but I much prefer to say great reset. It's a big effort to, some would say, to build back, back better. We would say to really have a great reset. So it's funny how you see this shift in his language. You see this shift in the way that he presents himself. It's not so on the nose anymore that I want to take over. The World Economic Forum will usher in the Great Reset, Forced Industrial Revolution, and you will own nothing can be happy. Now he's like, we want to improve the state of affairs in the world by becoming stakeholders and not just improving our lives, but the lives of others. <laughs> Serious? It's almost as if maybe his PR people came to him and was like, you know what, Klaus? You know, uh, people are uh, starting to uh, people are starting to be a little concerned about some of the uh, quotes that have come out by you. Maybe you should tone it down a little bit, Mister Schwab, Professor Schwab. But anyways, that was Klaus's opening speech for the World Economic Forum Davos meeting from two weeks ago, basically saying that we are the important overlords of the world and we will shape the world and shape the future in our image and everybody else that isn't involved with our decisions will basically just be collateral damage. But we love them, but we're going to help them as well. We're not going to say how we're going to help them, but we're just going to say that we will help them. Even though we don't allow any opposing views in here, even though we don't allow any journalists to have any critical thought or antithetical perspectives to question us or to challenge us or to give us any debate, but we're going to make the decisions for those people's lives as well, even though they have zero say in any of it. But how? How will it affect your lives? I think you've already seen it already. We've already experienced how it's affecting our lives. We've already experienced the collateral damage from their mad scientist Great Reset agenda. The whole COVID is part of the Great Reset agenda. The fact that you have to pay $6 a gallon just to fill up your tank is a part of the Great Reset agenda. The fact that your grocery bill has skyrocketed is part of the Great Reset agenda. The fact that you can't find baby formula to feed your kids is a part of the Great Reset agenda. The fact that we have wide open borders and illegal immigrants coming in here without any due process or any consequences is a part of the Great Reset agenda. But they don't care. They don't care. They laugh at you. They giggle about you. They say that we're going to have to deal with some of the pain that comes with it. Here's one of the other speakers over at the World Economic Forum 
telling you how you're going to have to deal with the pain that comes with the change. We need to accept that there will be some pain in the process. Uh, the pace that we need will uh, will open up for missteps. Mm. Uh, it will open up for uh, shortages on energy. It will create inflationary pressures. And maybe we need to start talking about that, that that pain is actually worth it. Because if we don't, uh, there's no business yeah. case, okay. there's no economy, there's there's no welfare. But but so far, I think we are have been a little bit careful actually talking about the pain in the short term that is likely <laughs> to come from, from, the, from this the very important yeah. change. Yeah. Did you hear that? Did you hear all of that? You think she's going through any of that pain? You think she's experiencing any of that inflationary difficulties? You think she cares that you're going through hard times? You think she cares that you lost your business due to the COVID lockdowns? You think she cares that you can't find baby formula for your baby? No, but she says it's worth it for you to go through the pain for these changes. It's worth it for you to suffer in the long run because it's going to be so much better once we've established and achieved our goals of world domination that we completely control you now. The pain that you're going through now is going to be worth it so we can control you. These people are demons. These people are not human. They have zero empathy. They have zero ability to put themselves in another person's shoes. And they're just so arrogant. They're so cocky. They're so holier than thou. They think they're so much better than you. And as they sit there and say how much better the world is going to be through your suffering, meanwhile, they have all doubled their net worth. So she sits there and talks about suffering and how we have to go through a period of inconvenience. Meanwhile, the exact opposite is happening to her and the people that she, that she associates with. They're thriving. They're flourishing. They're excelling. They're ascending. They're succeeding. They're building upon what they already have while they're taking from you. So how will they manage to make you own nothing and be happy and provide everything for you and, and lock you down and all these things and put it and put a and put an implantable technological device in you that tracks you? How will they manage to do all the things that they say that they are going to do? Well, we talk about it all the time. We know the social credit scores. We know the surveillance under the skin. Surveillance under the skin. And of course, the climate carbon footprint tracking system that they always talk about. Here's one of the fellows over at the World Economic Forum. I don't know this guy's name, but he's sitting over there and he's really excited. He's really excited about tracking your carbon footprint through technology and ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Stay tuned. We're working on it. I bet they already have it. They're just waiting to roll it out. Of course. 
But did, do you hear that? We're, we're going to track where they're going, how they're getting to the place, what they're eating, when they went to the bathroom, how many times they burped, how many times they scratched their ass. And he's so excited about it. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for your complete and utter bondage. We don't have the AI tracking worked out just yet. We don't have the surveillance under the skin completely streamlined yet and given out to the masses. But stay tuned. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. Creepy stuff, man. I don't even know that fellow's name, but they're all just creepazoids sitting there telling you how badly they want to control you and how good it is for you. It's creepy. And they sit there with the World Economic Forum logo behind them, the 666 behind them. And you just scratch your head and you're like, this is the world that I'm living in? With these people? These psychos? Well, of course, the carbon rationing system is not something that they can implement just yet. They haven't secured all the foundations yet. It's true what he's saying. But you know what foundations of control they are securing for you? Is your biomedical control apparatuses. They've already done it with the COVID. They've already proven that they are successful. The COVID was a huge win for the Great Reset. Huge win for the Great Reset. That's why Klaus Schwab wrote that book, COVID-19, The Great Reset. They are one and the same. They are hand in hand. The Great Reset is the first card that goes down. It's the first chess piece that they moved. And it really put us in checkmate, quite frankly, with one move. And we all know about Gates and his initiatives with all this stuff. And we can talk ad nauseum about Gates. I did an entire episode just dedicated to, to things that he did in two weeks. That little uh, media tour that he went on, like last month, telling you how great he is and telling you how he's going to run your life with all his apparatuses. But a, a lesser-known individual who is just as gung-ho about this type of stuff, who is involved in this biomedical fascism as much as Gates, is Albert Borla, who we also talk quite a bit, a lot about on this show. The CEO of Pfizer, Albert Borla. And I've been digging into him recently. He's been saying a lot of things, and it's been connecting a lot of dots for me personally with a lot of the things that we've heard people like Yuval Noah Harari say. Humans are now hackable animals. And it just goes to show that it really is a collaborative effort, like we heard Schwab say in the first clip that I played for you. It is all of these big corporate powers that are coming together, moving in the same direction. So we're going to play you some clips right now of Albert Borla. And no, I did not add this music in. Menacing, orchestral, villainous music just follows Albert Borla wherever he goes. So we're going to play some clips of Albert Borla. And uh, I'm going to try to let them play out. And then we can dissect them later. But yeah, fasten your seatbelt. I think that uh, it's really fulfilling of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them 
was by 2023 we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. I think today this dream is becoming a reality. So I mean you just hear that and you're just you just did I hear that correctly? He just said that a dream of his and his leadership team is reducing the world by 50% and he thinks that we can do that. I mean, how do you take that out of context? How do you misconstrued those words? They say it all the time. They say it's, it's when Gates says we got to reduce the carbon down to zero. It's the same thing when Harari says you're a hackable animal and we have no use for humans anymore. And then the big political and economic question of the 21st century will be what do we need humans for? Or at least what do we need so many humans for? Do you have an answer in the book? Um, at present, the best guess we have is uh, keep them happy with drugs and computer games. Keep them happy with drugs and computer games. Bruh. So Albert Borla is the same guy that I play you the clip time and time again where he says, we want to give you a pill that is a biological chip that goes into your stomach and then it sends a signal to the company that it does, uh, does the company that you took your pills or not. And it is very good for compliance. It is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, uh, compliance. compliance. So connect that dot to the dot that I also always play you of Yuval Noah Harari saying that we want to have surveillance under the skin and that COVID-19 is the best opportunity for us to have surveillance under the skin. People could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin. So, so connect that dot, connect that dot, okay? And let's move on. Let's get back to Borla. Remember when they told us in the beginning that the COVID, vac the COVID V word was going to be just a conventional V word, conventional vaccine that was going to work like every other vaccine, give you complete immunity, and there wasn't any gene-altering tech in it, there wasn't any mRNA, messenger, M messenger RNA, there wasn't anything like that. They gaslit us in the news to tell us that it was, a, it was just a normal, regular vaccine. Well, now they brag about the mRNA. Fast forward two years now, they brag about the mRNA tech that they put in their vaccines. And here is Albert Borla bragging about how much he loves mRNA, the same guy that says it is a synthetic lipid nanoparticle that can order your DNA to correct your genetic mistake. In another area that we announced today, uh, uh, a partnership with BIM, are the rare diseases. These are diseases mainly that um, uh, uh, they have as a cause a mistake in your DNA. It's a genetic mistake. Something is wrong with your DNA, and as a result, you have a disease. Uh, what we try to do with uh, the base gene editing technology, which uh, Beam is uh, a master, uh, yeah. it is to targets that will be delivered through mRNA that will be able to correct this mistake. There are several gene editing technologies. We did a lot of due diligence, and we thought that the base, this is how it's called, 
technology base is the best. And also did a lot of due diligence about companies and the best one was BIM. And this is why we, we did this partnership. We are having some other deals that we announced today that will help us to improve even further. Uh, the Acuitas, which is given us a license for 10 different targets in uh, the LNP uh, target. LNP, it is the lipid nanoparticles that are used to transfer the RNA. And the last but not least, it is the Codex. What Codex technology is all about? They are uh, creating DNA instead of biological manufacturing, yeah. which means that you have virus to make it. It's a synthetic. It's a synthetic. It's a synthetic. So that's what the mRNA tech is. It's a synthetic genetic material that orders your DNA to reconfigure itself. Basically, in layman's terms, I'm not a scientist, but that's basically what Albert Borla is saying. And you can't go into a CVS now without hearing an intercom tell you to get specifically the Pfizer mRNA biotech. Welcome to CVS. Make sure you get your Pfizer BioNTech mRNA vaccine to protect everyone you love around you. Is basically what you hear every time you walk into a CVS. The same thing that they told you was not in the vaccine and that it was a conventional vaccine and yada yada. There's no mRNA biotech. So just remember that when I play this next clip for you of Albert Borla basically saying that he wants to put mRNA in everything now. I think we will see a lot of advancements with mRNA. And the good thing after the success of COVID, it is that right now- After the success of COVID, he says. So people like Albert Borla, business people who make so much money of making you a medical slave, see the COVID crisis, see the lockdowns, see the death, the people losing their jobs, the suicide, the, the supply chain issues, see all of that turmoil and all of that crisis as a success in his quotes. Remember that. That's what he thinks a crisis is, is an opportunity for his company to have success because he makes you a customer for life. We have a substantial wave of companies biotechs and big pharmas that are working on mRNA, a lot. And they are working on multiple applications of mRNA. Uh, so I think the first, the, the first things that I'm hopeful to see it is other vaccines other than COVID, a flu vaccine with mRNA, a single vaccine with mRNA. So there he goes. The thing that they told you wasn't in the vaccine when they first rolled it out, now they brag about it, and he says he wants to put it in everything. All biotech companies and big pharmas are fascinated with the applications of mRNA. And through the success of COVID, his quotes, not mine, we can apply it into, oh, a shingles vaccine. Oh, a flu vaccine. <laughs> Why not put it in your insulin shot if you're diabetic? Why not put it into a cortisone shot if your knee's jacked up or something? I mean, if, if Albert Borla had his way, he'd put mRNA in your breakfast cereal if he could. Yeah, imagine that. Breakfast cereal made by Pfizer. Brought to you by Pfizer. Pfizer-O's. But you hear that? We want to put it in everything. And it's exactly as he described. I mean, even Elon Musk talked about the 
genetic altering applications and capabilities and potential of mRNA tech. And he, he basically joked around and said it could turn you into a butterfly if they wanted to. I, th I think there's going to be a lot of breakthroughs on the medical front, uh, particularly around synthetic uh, mRNA. Uh, you can basically do anything with uh, synthetic uh, RNA, DNA. Um, it's, really, it's like a computer program. So, I mean, I think with enough, with, with, uh, with effort, that's not too crazy. You could probably stop aging, reverse it if you want. Um, uh, these are, you can basically do it. You can turn someone into a freaking butterfly if you want with the right DNA sequence. So now, knowing what you know about mRNA and knowing what you know about how the Pfizer CEO feels about mRNA, I'm going to play you another clip now from the World Economic Forum two weeks ago of the Moderna CEO. And we're going to listen to this clip entirely. I promise I'm not going to interrupt. And see if anything he says makes your spidey sense tingle. As Seth knows, we're now throwing those into the garbage. It's, it's sad to say. I'm in the process of throwing 30 million doses into the garbage because nobody wants them. Uh, we have a big demand problem. We right now have uh, governments, we try to contact not only Seth, who is doing great work with his team trying to get demand into the countries, but also we contacted through the Washingtons in, the embassies in Washington, every country, and nobody wants to take them. And so the change we have now is it's a very different situation than we had two years ago. The problem we had two years ago is there was no mRNA capacity in the world, zero. The situation is very different today. Modern has $3 billion of annual capacity. Pfizer has $4 billion at $7 billion. And the Chinese don't want the vaccines of mRNA. And the Chinese don't want the vaccines of mRNA. And the Chinese don't want the vaccines of mRNA. So if you just take the, just the Chinese population out, you have more than a dose per person. And as we just discussed, the issue in many countries is people don't want vaccines. In the US, people don't want vaccines. Around the world, we have a lot of people who don't want the vaccine as a problem Seth and his team are working against. So we don't have a capacity issue around the planet. It is not true. It was true two years ago. It's not true today. Wow. Mind boggling. Spidey sense is tingling so hard. I think my head's going to pop. Spidey sense going crazy. So in a nutshell, he says that we have a demand problem for the vaccine. So we're having to throw away millions and millions of doses because Everybody who wants the vaccine has already taken it, and people who aren't going to take it are steadfast, and they are not going to take it under any more circumstances. So they've they've completely separated the people who will take it from the people who won't take it now. And then he says the biggest bombshell of all, that the entire Chinese population is not a customer base at all because the Chinese government doesn't want to give their citizens vaccines with mRNA. My spider sense is going crazy. I repeat, he said that there are zero Chinese customers because the Chinese government does not want their citizens to take a mRNA injection. Now, China has their own biotech labs with their own vaccines and their own ingredients in their own vaccines that they're giving to their citizens. I don't know what's going on with that. They have a very high vaccination rate in China, but through their own in-house vaccines. Same thing with Russia, by the way, too. But the Moderna CEO just said that they ain't taking the, the mRNA. The same thing that we told you that isn't in the vaccine, but now we brag about it 
and we want to put it in every other vaccine, and we want to put it in your ham sandwich too. China doesn't want that for that for their people. Wow. I mean, wow. It's just it's mind-boggling when you parallel all of these quotes together and you really connect those dots. It really, it'll really just make your head spin, man. It'll really just make your head spin. Okay, but now knowing all that we know, all those things that we heard, let's hear Albert Bordela again. He was on Face the Nation a few weeks ago, and he was telling you how he wants to give you a shot every year, baby. Once a year, mRNA tech, right into your veins. Here he goes, saying it with, with just... With just a straight face. Do you think that we will every fall have to prepare ourselves for a booster shot with COVID just like we get a flu shot? I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time I got a flu shot. So right there, the reporter that's interviewing the supervillain James Bond villain, Albert Borla, she already muddies the waters. And she's like, everybody has to take a flu shot. So why not a COVID shot? Listen, freak. I haven't, I can't tell you the last time I took a flu shot. I can't tell you the last time I've taken an injection in a medical setting or in any other setting for that matter. I can't tell you the last time I stuck a needle in my veins or had to do it. So I don't get an injection every year, Chica, for the flu or anything else. But she sits there and she says, hey, what's, what's wrong with getting a COVID shot every year? We get the flu shot every year. No, I don't. Stop gaslighting me. Stop lying to me. Stop thinking I'm such an idiot because I'm really not. Oh, you're not as dumb as you look. But they'll never stop. Here's Albert Borla who thinks you are nothing more than a money machine. As he said, with the success of COVID. And he ain't going to let that success go. I think so. Then you Variants are coming, and Omicron was the first one that was able to evade in a skillful way the immune protection that we were giving. But also, we know that the duration of the protection doesn't last very long. So it's not a vaccine then? Because any other vaccine before COVID, it just does you good, and then you never, never have to hear from it again. The waning immunity is going away. There are variants. The variants coming out. Omicron. Oh, Omicron. We dodged Omicron. But the immunity is waning. So this will prompt us to make you get a injection annually. I, what the heck, man? What the heck? These are the same people that told you 15 days to stop the spread, wear a mask, lock yourself down. Now it's become an annual mRNA gene injection? So what we are trying to do, and we are working very diligently right now, it is to make not only a vaccine that will protect against all variants, including Omicron, but also something that uh, can protect for at least a year. <laughs> at, le at least a year and all variants. Dude, there's been like seven variants since the COVID came out in 2020. All variants, he says, they're never going to stop being variants at this rate. We want to give you protection for at least a year. My God, man. My God. I mean, I might have the sniffles right now. I might have a sore throat. But even if your injection worked and gave me immunity for a year, I'm not taking your injection of mRNA gene editing and being your customer for life, Albert Borla. Even if you do mean well, even if you did have people's best interests in mind, you're a freak, dude. You're a creepazoid. You come off creepy. The things you say, reducing population by 50%, giving people a biological chip so it scans them and 
gives us applications for compliance. Something about you creeps me out. So what, what did we learn in those series of clips that I played you? That they told you that there was going to be no mRNA when they first rolled out the injection. Now they brag about the mRNA and they don't want to put it in just the COVID injection. They want to put it in the flu and shingles and whatever else they can put it in. We also learned from the Moderna CEO that the Chinese population and the Russian population are not giving their citizens mRNA biotech and that mRNA biotech has the potential of ordering your DNA to change and reconfigure. And now we also learned that Albert Borla wants to give you a yearly shot. So now with all that knowledge, with all that context, with all that perspective, I'm going to play you the most ironic clip, the most laughable clip that you're ever going to hear in your life, the two supervillain Bond villains, two absolutely cartoonish caricatures of what a writer would create an archetype for a supervillain, Klaus Schwab and Albert Borla at the World Economic Forum together talking about, I can't believe people would think that we're up to no good. I can't believe some of the conspiracy theories that people would spread about us. It's just crazy. Here we go. Albert Borla and Klaus Schwab in the most non-self-aware piece of audio that you're ever going to hear in your life. With a vaccine, that we knew that there's a very fanatic group of anti-vaxxers that will go after us no matter what. They will claim that the sun didn't go up because people were vaccinated and that created issues with the crop, so I'm suing you. And one thing it is to sue you in the U.S., another thing is to sue you in a country where the legal system is not up to that standard, or in Switzerland, right? So I think that's behind us. Uh, everything <laughs> went okay, and now I think we can move on. I think we, we, were, we were both uh, targets of the anti-vaccine uh, movements and uh, conspiracy uh, people uh, claiming that I had tripled, I wondered what it is, tri triple um, uh, COVID. Um, mm. Yeah. I think uh, Klaus uh, was supposed to make people laugh with that, but if there's one thing that Klaus does not have, it is a sense of humor or a comedic timing. I think the orchestral evil band that follows Klaus and Albert wherever they go uh, kind of keeps people from knowing if something is a joke or not. Uh, well, was, uh, I think he got uh, hundreds of thousands of clicks and so on. Uh, I know you will also target... Um, I read one day that was arrested by FBI. Yeah, same happened to me. And there are pictures, pictures of me and the FBI officers. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah. I never said. The surprising thing it is that the same publication, I found out because I... Uh, had published the previous one that was arrested was the Pope, <laughs> by FBI. <laughs> so ridiculous, yeah. So we are good uh, company. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least I was in good company. Yeah, <laughs> but oh, at least I was in good company with the Pope. <laughs> at least, <laughs> let us laugh now. <laughs> we are so funny. <laughs> we are so relatable. <laughs> <sighs> But you hear that, 
and knowing all that you know about these characters, knowing all of the things that they've said, all of the quotes from them, and then they sit there and they say, I can't believe that people think we are up to no good. Yes, I know. I think it is so crazy that people think that we have conspiracy. It's not, it's not like I wrote the book COVID-19, The Great Reset, or anything like that. It's not like I said that, oh no, uh, if you thought the COVID will be bad, then wait for the cyber attack. I know, Klaus, it's so crazy, isn't it? Isn't it so crazy? It's not like I said I want to give people annual vaccine. No, it's not like I said that. These are two guys that know exactly what they're doing. They're on a higher rung of the pyramid. They're puppets too, okay? They have their own puppet masters and people who we don't even know about, people who we don't even know their names that control people like Klaus Schwab and Albert Borla and Bill Gates. But these guys are big shot callers as, as they are too because it's trickle-down puppet mastery. Everybody's a puppet, but they're also a puppet master, right? But Albert Borla and Klaus Schwab going up there and playing the victims, like, oh, it's so sad that you guys get targeted by those nasty conspiracy theorists and science deniers. Oh, you guys are such victims. Oh, woe is me, Klaus Schwab and Albert Borla. Let me play you a number on the world's smallest violin. Play a sad song for you on the world's smallest violin. This is serious. I know. This really is the world's smallest violin. Two supervillains up there playing the victim because their plans have gone mainstream. They've become household names for the wrong reasons or, or for the right reasons, for the justified reasons. People know their names not in a good way because they know what they're really up to. They know what they really say. They've heard the quotes that they've actually said. And now they're being exposed, so they're doing damage control. And they're acting like, oh, people are so crazy. I, there was a picture that I, I, I got detained by the FBI. Ha, 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 ha. They're doing damage control. They're not going to sit there and really address anything with anybody. They're not going to debate anybody. They're not going to hear any contrary opinions. You think Klaus would sit there and debate? You think Klaus would sit there and even debate little old me, little old Joe of Connect Those Dots? If I asked him, hey, Klaus, what did you mean when you said that the fourth industrial revolution changes you? What did you, why, do you, why did you write a book, COVID-19, The Great Reset, and you projected 2030 future predict predictions that we were going to be under perpetual lockdowns and that we were going to work from home forever? and that we were never going back to normal. What did you mean when you said that going back to normal is a fantasy? So people assume we are just going back to the good old world which we had and everything will be normal again. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Or you think Albert Borla would debate me if I asked him, hey, Albert, what, what did you mean by the biological chip that you digest into your stomach will be so great for compliance. What do you mean by compliance? I thought you said that, I thought you were a pharmaceutical company and that you want to make people healthy, but wh why do you want people's compliance? You think they'd ever address those things? You think they'd ever 
sit there and really take ownership of the things that they say? You think they'd ever be accountable? Ever? Hey, Albert Borla, what did you mean by COVID-19 was such a great success? You know, it was a really huge crisis for a lot of people and really uprooted the lives of basically everybody on this planet, but you multiplied your profit margins and you said it was a success. You think it's a success when people suffer, Albert Borla? You think Albert Borla would ever debate anybody? No, but he's going to go up there and he's going to play victim that people are spreading mean rumors about him and Klaus Schwab of all people. He's going to go up there and say how he's being lied about, but they will never, ever debate anybody. They just get up there and they rub their bellies onto each other and they sit there and yuck it up and they talk and talk and talk and they kiss each other's asses. They're up there and they're the kings of the world and nobody has a say otherwise. I am the king of the mountaintop. I reign supreme over everyone in this school. I am the golden god of this place. I reign supreme. I, I. So it's, with everything that I played you here today, I know there's a lot of clips, there's a lot of stuff, but you can't say you didn't connect some dots today on this episode. Or for any other episode for that matter, but this one, we really hit at a critical nugget. If anybody ever asks you if you took an injection or not, just be like, hey, do you ever, do you know about the Pfizer CEO? Do you know that he said X, Y, and Z? Do you know that they look at COVID as a success for their profit margins? Do you know that China doesn't want mRNA in their vaccines and they have their own vaccines that don't have mRNA in it? Do you know that they throw out millions of doses of this injection because nobody wants them anymore and anybody who's taken them has already taken them? Do you know that they want you to take annual injections? Do you know that they talk about surveillance under the skin? And then they'll look at you and they'll be like, ew, go away. Get away from me, conspiracy theorist. But that's the world that has been cultivated for us. And that's the world that has always been since the dawn of time. Jesus Christ said that the people perish for lack of knowledge. They also perish for the lack of desire for knowledge. So there's the people that want to know, and then there's the people that don't want to know. And there's the people that have the courage and the will to accept the brutal truth. And then there's the people that get exposed to the truth, but then they don't want to believe it and they fall into a cycle of Stockholm Syndrome where they make peace with their own captivity and they accept their cruel fate. But we are not under Stockholm Syndrome. We do not lack knowledge. And it is a blessing that we are given this knowledge in any way that we have obtained it. If we're told about it and we accept it, if we came to an epiphany on our own, if we heard something that didn't work out and then it sent us down a, a spiral of, wow, that doesn't work out either. That thing doesn't make sense to me either. Why do all these things not make sense? And then we dive deep into why they don't make sense to us. And then we see the larger implications at play here. So it's a blessing to have these cruel truths be exposed to you. 
Don't be afraid of the truth, because you can handle the truth. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I know they tell you you can't handle the truth, but you really can handle it. You just gotta sit there and swallow that bitter pill. And uh, I guess this world is full of bitter pills. But there's some sweet ones too. And you can sit there and continue to just eat the sweet pill and swallow that blue pill down. Or you can try out that red pill. It's not going to go down easy, but once it does, it's going to cure you of whatever mind virus you were under. And that's the real medicine. So you might hear my voice now and hear I'm all sniffly. Be like, huh, he's got the cold. He's got the COVID. He's got the Omicron. <laughs> he didn't take a vaccine. I'll gladly get a cold. I'll gladly have some sniffles and a sore throat over being a medical slave to people like Albert Borla. Even if your stupid vaccine did work, you can go ahead and be a medical slave and get an mRNA injection every year. I'll take the cold. People have been getting the cold for centuries since the dawn of man, and we've lived with it, and we've grown stronger through it because it will bolster our immune system. You can sit there and destroy your immune system and get a clot shot and take an annual shot and take the stuff that even the Chinese don't want to give to their citizens. You can go ahead and do that. But myself and the people like me, we won't perish for lack of knowledge. No, no, no.